story, I'm sure it will be familiar to you. It comes from Luke chapter 24, beginning to read at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know what things have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us? while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven with those and those with them assembled together, saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I guess the children have gone. I was supposed to say that before I started reading, but anyway, they've figured it out. Very familiar story. Two men on a journey on the road to Emmaus. Two men disappointed, bewildered, confused. Ever been there? Two men who had been with Jesus, disciples. Two men who had been with Jesus, disappointed, bewildered, confused. And walking away from everything they know. My best guess is that most of us know what that's like and maybe now, in these moments, that's how we come. Disappointed. Perhaps bewildered. 
may be confused. It's not that they hadn't spent time with Jesus. Of course they had. They'd been disciples and I don't know exactly what they'd seen, but maybe they'd seen and been with Jesus at some of the events that we've visited as we've travelled through the Gospel of Luke, who's writing these words to us. Well, I don't know they were there, maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but I'm sure they were told about it the first time Jesus met them, after they'd been fishing all night in the boat and they'd caught nothing. Fishermen who know how to fish. And Jesus, the carpenter, stands on the bank and says, guys, if you go back out and you throw your net over the other side, you'll catch loads. And they did. They caught so much they couldn't bring it in. And then Jesus says, come and follow me. And I'll change your life. And they know about that because they've met with those guys who've told them the story. Maybe they were there that day when they were walking along the road following Jesus when a guy jumps out from behind a rock, a man with leprosy with a bell around his neck. Every time he moves says, unclean, unclean, keep away from me, you cannot come near me. A man who maybe hasn't seen his family or his friends for years because he has to live outside the city because he is unclean. And Jesus does what no one else would do. If Jesus had just said the words, be clean, that would have been enough for him. But Jesus reaches out and touches him, which no one else will do. And maybe they saw it. Maybe they were there that day in the house. Maybe they were the keynotes who got there first, so that when the guys with their friend turned up, they couldn't get in. And they're listening to Jesus when they hear scrabbling around on the roof and then the dust begins to fall and then the leaves start to fall through and as they look up they see four dirty sweaty faces peering down and not long afterwards comes a stretcher or a mat with a guy lying on it who can't walk but he's been brought by his friends to Jesus and they hear Jesus say get up and go home and they watch the Pharisees get really cross and Jesus turns around and says well come on lads is it easier for me to say Your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and go home. Anyway, pick up your mat and go home. And they watch him walk out. Maybe they were there the day when Simon throws a party. Because that's what you do if you want everyone to think you're really important. And you invite people to your house and then all the people can come and gather around the courtyard and watch. And Simon invites Jesus, maybe to try and catch him out, maybe to be impressive. And Simon doesn't do what Simon's supposed to do in welcoming a guest. And then a woman, who everybody knows who she is, comes out bold as you like, lets her hair down, pours perfume on Jesus' feet and wipes them with her hair. And Jesus says to Simon, you know, Simon, you've missed it by a mile. But she gets it. And she knows She is greatly loved. And she knows her sins are forgiven. They probably weren't in the boat that day, but I suspect the rest of them told them, because Jesus has just been speaking and they decide to go across the lake. So they get in the boat and Jesus falls asleep because he's human and he's tired. But the biggest storm of the week comes And hardened fishermen who know this lake are scared because they think they will perish. 
and Jesus is asleep in the boat. Jesus is completely unthreatened by the storm. But the disciples panic and wake him up. And he says, do you not get it, guys? Okay, be still. And in those moments, those disciples realize he has power over the wind and the wave. And they tell their friends, because wouldn't you if you were in the boat? Maybe they were there at the party in the park. They've just come back from a mission trip where Jesus tells them to take absolutely nothing with them. And then he asks them to feed 5,000 men plus all the women and children with nothing. They managed to scrabble together five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, why don't you feed them? They're trying to get Jesus to send everybody home because that's much easier. And then Jesus breaks bread. And by breaking bread, everybody present knows that Jesus is saying, everybody here today is welcome. Everybody on this mountainside is welcome in my kingdom. And if that wasn't enough, Jesus tells them to go around and pick up the bits afterwards. And they each come back with a basket that you'd carry in your arm, which has enough for you. And Jesus says to them, do you know what? I can feed all them, but I can feed you too. They would have heard Jesus teach. Maybe they heard him tell that story that we know is the parable of the prodigal son. Where the boy gets together everything his father can give him and says, you know what, Dad, I wish you were dead. And he leaves and he takes it with him and he goes off and he makes a mess of it. But then he figures out that his bread is buttered better if he goes home. And he comes back and he uses the same phrase that Pharaoh uses every time he wants to let the people go and then changes his mind. He says, you know, Dad, I figured out I'm better off with you. He doesn't say it quite like that because he dresses it up. But the father is gracious and says... Do you know what? You are welcome. I'm going to put sandals on your feet, a ring on your finger and a robe. And we're going to have a party. Because you are worth it. I don't know if they were there at any of them, but I, they would have heard of it. They knew about Jesus. They knew about his teaching. And yet here they are, bewildered, disappointed and confused. And maybe it's got to do with the fact that they've put their hope. We had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. They just got it wrong. It's not that he isn't going to redeem Israel, but they hope for something that he's never going to do in the way they want him to do it. And don't we make that mistake, friends? How many of us have had things we think are promises for God only to find that they didn't happen and our dream has been shattered? Here is some th- this is the sermon you don't want to hear. Because God does not promise you a trouble-free life. God does not promise you only good. God does not promise you a bigger house or a better car or a car that won't break down. He doesn't promise you'll never get ill. He doesn't promise that tragedy will never strike. He doesn't even promise that tragedy won't strike twice. In fact, he says, do you know what? In this world, you will have trouble. And yet we spend a lot of our life 
teaching each other things like, and we have to be very careful what we do with this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and give you a future. And we love it. And what we think it means is God is going to give us everything we want. And God never promises that. So the next time you want to give that verse to someone, I would say this, be very, 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 very sure you've got it right. Or at least do it gently. Because if you build your faith, as these guys did, on promises God never made, when it goes wrong, it all comes tumbling down. It's a bit like getting a pack of cards and making a shape out of them with all the cards on top. When you take one card out, the whole lot falls down. And if you build your faith on promises God has never made, you will struggle. And these two guys are walking away from Jerusalem Because they thought God had promised something he never promised. Some of us know what it's like, don't we, to have our dreams shattered. And it's a hard place to be. But it's a real place to be. And we find ourselves saying, where is God? God appears to be asleep in the boat. And God doesn't care and God doesn't know. Well, God does what Jesus did that down the road to Emmaus. Two guys walking away from what they know, disappointed, disillusioned and confused. And what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus comes and walks alongside them. Because that's the kind of thing he does. You know that lovely story of the three men in the furnace and then a fourth man appears? Who's the fourth man? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I reckon it's Jesus. Why? Because that's the kind of thing he does. That lovely psalm we all know the verses of. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or literally translated, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valleys are the hardest and most difficult times in our life. What does it say? It doesn't say, if I follow Jesus, I'll never go through a valley. It says, when I go through the valley of the shadow of death... When I go through the hardest, darkest and difficult times of life, I'll be with you. I'll go through it with you. That's the promise. And then he says, but I prepare a table for you in the presence of my enemies. What a lovely picture of God coming to us in the mess. All the crap around us. All the stuff that's wrong. And yet God comes and meets with us and shares his meal with us in the middle of the mess. God comes and walks alongside two men on the road to Emmaus. But they can't see Jesus, can they? They don't know who it is. And they say to him, how are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on? And Jesus says, well, tell me. So they do. Isn't that true for us, though, friends? When we find ourselves walking the road to Emmaus... It's really hard to see Jesus. And the mistake we most often make is that we then take ourselves and do exactly what these guys are doing. And we walk away from everything we know. And we walk away from the place of our faith. You know, I had an email from somebody this week who I've known a long time. For whom life has been very difficult and continues to be. But now they've got to the point of saying, and now if God exists, he certainly doesn't love me. Now, I have to be very careful what I say, but I think it's a pack of cards theology. Because God hasn't given me any of the good things that I think he should. 
And that's a really, really hard place to be and I am not making light of it. But we don't come to church. We keep ourselves out of the place of worship. We don't talk to our Christian friends and sometimes, let's face it, we're Muppets, aren't we? Job's friends did all right until they started to talk. Do you notice that? And we try and say all this stuff that's meant to make them feel better and actually it's sit with them, journey with them, walk with them. It's a really hard thing to do. So what do you do when you're on the road like this? Don't stop coming. Jesus wants to walk with you. Jesus says to them in some translations, how can you be so slow of heart? And sometimes when we're in the middle of it, it's so hard to see Jesus, isn't it? So hard. But his promise is, I will be with you. That he does promise. I will be with you. So today he would say, I am with you. Jesus is apparently going to walk on and they invite him in for a meal. They say, come and have a meal with us. So they sit down to a table. And Jesus, as he's done a few times before, he did it on a hillside, he did it with his disciples in a room. And this time he does it again and he takes the bread and he breaks it. And at that moment, that moment they see the truth and the truth friends is this that when we see Jesus for who he really is he says you will have troubles in life but I have overcome the world there is a bigger and a far better story that's going on here maybe you can't see it but it's true seems to me when people are walking the road to Emmaus Jesus does four things Firstly, he comes and walks with us. Friends, God is closer than you think. I was talking with somebody after the service. It depends on the lens through which you're seeing it. And when we see it through the lens of the truth of what Jesus had actually done, not what they wanted him to do, but what he'd actually done, they are transformed. Jesus comes and walks with them and then listens to everything they have to say. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Tell me what's going on in Jerusalem then. And he doesn't stop them, interrupt them. He lets them pour out their heart. Friends, you can pour out your heart to God this morning and you can have opportunity to do that. And God invites you to do just that. He walks alongside you and he wants to hear your heart. Thirdly, Jesus teaches. Do you know, I'm really annoyed with Luke and I'm going to tell him this if ever I meet him and recognize him. He then teaches these two men on the road to Emmaus, starting with the prophets, and we have no idea what he says. Luke doesn't record that. That's really irritating for a preacher. I want to know what he said. However, I can pretty much figure it out because he says starting with the law and the prophets and he teaches what we know is the Bible and the gospel. And if you let God, he will teach you. If you are certain about your faith, then you have no faith at all. Did you know that? (laughs) Because if you are certain about something, you don't need any faith. 
Faith and certainty can't exist together, can they? You want to take that one away and think about it. But here, see, right, you need doubt for faith. Because doubt is your growing edge. Because where you have doubt and struggle and struggle, God can teach you. And you can learn. And he will teach you if you're prepared to turn your heart towards him and listen to what he says. And then fourthly, Jesus breaks bread. It is in the recognizing of who Jesus is that they are transformed. Everything we do, friends, we see through the the lens of what Christ did on the cross. That's the bigger and the far better story. To my friend, I said, I don't know why things happen as they do in this world. Mostly I don't know about myself, my family or those close to me. But what I do know is this. However much it might not seem like it, however much it might appear to be different, however much you want to rail against it, you are greatly loved by God. And that is the far bigger and the far better story. And God does meet us. And Lisa's going to come and just share with us how God's met her on a road to Emmaus recently. I, um, I felt compelled to speak in the first service, and then I was going home. And then somebody asked, would I share it again in a second? So I just wanted to share something with you in a way that God has met me. Um, as you know, Ian and I have been on a counseling course for the last year and a half. And as part of that, you have to go and have counseling yourself and discover things that you didn't even really know were there. Um, and that's what's happened to me. And what I'm going to share with you, I want to share because I just wondered... If there are others who are like me here who have passed things and didn't even realize that they were on the road to Emmaus um, and that God is closer than you think. Um, So um, when I was seven years old, my brother and I were in the care of an abusive babysitter for a year, um, which is something which I didn't think had had much impact, but I've realized that it has. Um, And in the journey I've been taking with my really amazing Christian counselor, um, God has given me three really powerful pictures um, of how he has been with me even in those dark times and I wanted to share those pictures with you the very first picture is um, of a little girl um, who sat alone by a campfire and she knows that there's nobody coming for her and that she's on her own um, and then in the next picture God steps in and sweeps her up in his arms so she's not alone anymore in the second picture um, the little girl has too much on her shoulders, too much responsibility and too much burden and is responsible for all the people around her Um, and the picture that comes to me from God then was of a lion God as a lion came into that picture really strong and powerful and someone for the little girl to lean on and someone who would look out and protect for her and then the final picture which really has only been shared with me in the last couple of weeks was of the little girl sat in the bottom of a wardrobe hiding and around her was a spirit of fear Um, and the picture there is God coming into the room and taking the spirit of fear and chucking it out the window and taking the little girl out of the wardrobe and she stands next to him not sitting or being carried but standing and he takes her to a better place and leaves a candle in that wardrobe because she's not there anymore and the reason I wanted to share that with you is I just 
I think there's a lot of us who carry past hurts and past things that we don't even think have had an impact on us. And we don't even know we're on the road to Emmaus. I've had a relationship with God for 35 years, and I didn't know about the blocks that were in the relationship I had with him and the lack of trust and the sense that he was there. Um, But actually, he's been there all along. Restores our faith in God. What reveals the Father's love? What can lead the wayward alone? What can melt a heart of stone? What can free the guilty one? What can save and
It's a miracle of me. It's still a mystery. It's still a mystery. It's a miracle to me. The power of God for those who Yeah. Uh-huh. 